What's up, everybody? It's your boy Big M, aka M, aka Manu, Emmanuel. That's my actual name. It varies depending on what part of the world you're from. Welcome back to another episode of Conversations with M. If you're new here, this is the podcast where we cover a variety of topics as they relate to a 20-something-year-old. Uh, if you're older than that, it doesn't mean you can't listen to this podcast. Or if you're younger, it doesn't mean you won't find anything useful here. It's just to say that the topics that we cover will be catered towards people in that age bracket. So first of all, I just want to you know send a big shout out to everyone that's still tuning in. Um, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out to listen to the podcast and for enjoying the content that you know that's being put out. And um, it's been so cool to see the numbers go up. Uh, I had a goal for this podcast. It was to reach a thousand downloads. And I'm happy to say that we're only in February and we've already crossed 500. And I'm so grateful for that. And I hope everyone keeps enjoying the content. So I hope everyone had a really good weekend. Mine was very relaxing. It was chill. You know, I had a few drinks with some friends and uh, we had a good time. Spent it, you know, outside of town for a change again. And it was really cool. I just want to say that my next conversation was very, very enthralling and it was very cool to speak to her. Um, she is Samir's fiance. If you guys don't remember in episode eight, I spoke to uh, one of my very successful friends and also businessman and entrepreneur who runs a um, capital investment firm out of London called RD Capital Partners out of London and, and they're, they're you know their main focus is in the healthcare industry for now but they they have plans to, to sort of uh, spread their wings a bit more during the year and um, I was speaking to Irina and her story is very interesting it's also very interesting how her personality varied differently from Samir so um, I'm, I'm calling this like part two of, of this uh, two-part series and um I just wanted to get her perspective on things, you know, um, on the whole business and relationship aspect, as well as um, what it was like for her growing up and everything else. Because when I was talking to Samir, he let me know that she is quite different from him. Samir feels like um, the more, how could I put it? Like, um, if you guys ever saw the cartoon like Cat Dog, where uh, it's a cat and a dog attached to the same body, um, we've got one who's a bit more. Um, stringent and then sort of and more precise i guess in some respect and someone one who's a little bit more loosey-goosey whatever i would say samir is like the the loosey-goosey aspect and um i feel like Irina's the one that's um a bit more direct a bit more planned and a bit more I guess, uh, fixated on a, on, a, on a sort of path, maybe. Because that's just how she was raised. I'm not saying that's like a bad thing or anything. Um, I'm just saying that uh, that's the sort of difference that I see. And uh, it was very interesting. Um, listening to her upbringing and everything, she had a very, um, she, she, like, she goes into, you know, like a strict childhood, uh, as well as um, a very regimented schedule from a very, very early age, which helps sculpt her into the person she is today. You know, from from her schooling age, she took it very seriously. I guess um, you know, through throughout her high school, throughout university, she really looked at that as opportunities for her for her to, to flourish into who she has become today and who she continues to grow into. And um, it was a very inspiring conversation. It also falls part of my um, 
my ambition with this uh, sort of series to speak to empowering women, right, uh, in different fields um, and also just women in general who are doing things that um, stray away from the beaten path. And um, in her case, it's essentially running her own company along with um, her significant other and uh, growing a life together as well as um, everything that encapsulates, you know, being a successful businesswoman in today's day and age. So we covered a variety of those topics in there and also just got into a little bit of uh, what, what she kind of did for, for Valentine's Day, for example. It's, um, it was very cool. And um, I, I remember during the podcast, during the episode, I asked her a question. I'm like, um, you know, is fashion something? She's really into fashion. If you go on her Instagram page, which she mentions, you can, you can follow her on that too. She goes into um, how like that's also part of her life. So I asked her, if, if that's something she'd ever consider was maybe starting her own fashion brand. And uh, she told me, no, I don't think I'd start one, but I would buy one. And <laughs> it just hit me at that point in the conversation. I'm like, holy crap, man. They're at the point where like, um, it's not even about, oh, let me start a business. It's about, let me acquire uh, an already established business and then see what um, sort of returns I could gain from that. I mean, it's just so cool that they're at such an elevated um space in their business uh, life cycle where it's not even about just starting brands, it's more towards um, the acquisition of them. Because yeah, granted it falls within their uh, their business scope um, as a, a capital investment firm, but um, it's also just interesting and also, I guess, empowering to see that they were able to, as just two kids, um, trying to figure shit out in their own lives manage to be so successful doing what they enjoy doing the most and you can just hear it in her voice when she speaks about the the business how seriously she takes it and also how um how empowered she is man just by the, by the tone of her voice you feel like she's someone with authority and um and she's taken as such i guess in in, in her space and um shouts out to you Irina. and um it was awesome talking to you so that's enough rambling from me. Um, I hope you guys really enjoyed this one. It was it was a blast speaking to her and also just getting this different perspective. Um, I guess the other half of Sam, if you if I'm if I can say. So without further ado, I welcome you to episode twelve of Conversations with Them. Let's hit that intro music. doing well thank you um first of all happy valentine's day yeah to you too thank you what do you guys get up to uh, for valentine's day uh we just went for dinner i mean it was a work day during the day so yeah just dinner at our favorite place sushi place mm-hmm. always hustling i see <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well um i want to start off by saying um just thank you so much for taking the time out to uh do this podcast um this episode the other no, half of uh, Sam. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I mean, this is kind of, Samir suggested it. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So yeah, I'm, actually, um, I'm actually quite nervous about this. I've never done this before. <laughs> no, nah, don't, don't be nervous. It's, it's all good. Um, I had a really interesting convers- <clears throat> sorry, a conversation with Samir. 
And um, I was like, we started talking, saying that it would be really nice to get your perspective on like um, how um, how you saw everything, starting up the business uh, and all that. But before we get into all those details, I figured we, we could start from the beginning of your story. Um, you can start by telling us, I guess, where are you from? Um, I was born in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, in, in the Western part of it, because now people ask which part. <laughs> so the mm -hmm. Western part of Ukraine. And um, I grew up with my grandparents, actually, because my parents were working abroad. Mm -hmm. um, and after I moved to France, south of France, when I was 12. Okay. Um, and that's when I kind of started living with my parents there. Um, so I did my mid school and my high school in France. Um, and, uh, one year before graduating from my high school, uh, with some friends, we came to London and I just loved the city. Um, mm -hmm. so I have decided to apply to universities here. Um, and I came here for my studies. So I did my undergrad at King's college, London and business management. And after I did a master's degree in uh, business CL. And right. uh, yeah, kind of, kind of went from there. <laughs> nice. And um, I guess we could we could go a bit more into detail about um, Ukraine. What was it like uh, for you growing up over there in in, um, in in schooling, primary school, and like the atmosphere? I don't know too much about Ukraine to be honest. Not not many people do actually. Yeah. I remember when I came to France and I used to say like I'm from Ukraine. Mm -hmm. People used to have this kind of you know, blank space, and <laughs> I, I, could, I could see they were trying to locate it on the map, we're yeah. <laughs> not sure where it was. Uh -huh. um, so, I mean, it was very different. In Ukraine, I, I kind of grew up in a smaller town, and uh, it, I, it basically a lot of time I spent on a farm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm very close to nature, very close to animals. And when I moved to France, it was so different. It was like civilization. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> Honestly, now, now that I look back, um, I had a very, very simple uh, childhood and uh, compared, compared to where I am now and kind of surrounded by all these material things, mm -hmm. my, childhood, my childhood was very, very pure, which is nice, which is great. And when, when you were younger, did you always sort of um, look up to, to be a city girl and, um, uh, you know, want all the, all the things, the materialistic things of life? Like when I was younger at 12, one of my biggest ambitions, as far as I can remember, was always like wanting a Lambo, for example. Um, really? Did you ever have any of those sort of things as well back in Ukraine as a farm girl? Oh my God, no, no, not at all. I just wanted like, I wanted a cat at my <laughs> house <laughs> because my grandma wouldn't allow any animals inside the house. And my biggest dream was like, I just want this cat that I want to sleep with this cat. And then, you know, I, I just want the cat inside the house. That was my biggest dream. <laughs> um, no, nothing materialistic at all. And um, when I moved to France, honestly, I wanted to become a vet, mm -hmm. a veterinarian, because I always loved animals. Um, but after, as I kind of, I guess, joined this Western world of, you know, uh, the, the economy and the finance and, and things like this, I kind of started changing my mind about what I wanted to do with my life and mm -hmm. started steering more towards finance and, and business in general. All right, great. And what, what was like your, your schooling in, um, in Ukraine? France. In, in Ukraine, oh, first Ukraine of all. Yeah, friends. like I would say like in primary um, school when you first got into the education system. Um, 
I had realized that it was actually very advanced when I moved to France. Mm -hmm. So kind of um, because obviously Ukraine is a developing country. And I remember when I was moving to France, I was very nervous about how I didn't speak the language. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I wasn't sure where, how it's all going to be. But when I moved to France, I realized that our school system in Ukraine is actually quite advanced. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only things I was good at when I first year in France were mathematics because, you know, it's a... Uh, you don't need to understand the language, it's just numbers. So I was very good at that. Mm -hmm. So um, in that, that's something that I have realized. But um, otherwise, I mean, it's uh, I don't think it's that different to any other school. Honestly, it's, uh, the education system is pretty uniform, I would say, in Europe. And um, like dealing with other kids and everything, was that an easy thing for you? Were you a people's person uh, at that age? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Not not as much as Samir. Not, uh, <laughs> when I met Samir, I realized he, he really liked talking yeah. and, uh, you know, socializing and things like this. Um, it's not, I think in general, it's not something that is very present in people from Eastern Europe. Mm -hmm. um, probably because of our heritage and, you know, USSR made us a bit more closed. So it's, it's harder to open up and it's harder to have kind of deep conversations. Mm -hmm. So the conversations that we tend to have are, are quite superficial. Um, yeah. All right. Um, I, I guess I understand why this is quite uh, nerve-wracking for you as well, to some extent. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now now I have this mix of cultures in me, which is which is very strange. I know people ask me like they hear my accent and they're like, "Oh my god, I don't know where you're from." And um, I also have this mix of general culture between being from Eastern Europe and also having grown up in France and now living in London. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's quite a unique mix, I would say. Yeah, we we actually have that in common. I lived in France for about half a year um, okay. in my undergrad. And um, I understand what you mean by um, the whole language aspect of it being quite difficult. Um, me, myself, I never had like uh, any sort of uh, trouble with... Um, with people when I was in France, uh, when you were doing your education there, did you sort of uh, get into any conflicts like because of culture, you know, or, or were people very receptive to you in France? Um, can I ask you, you were in Paris or you were in some other town? Oh uh, yeah, I was, I was towards the south-ish uh, of France. So it was about like a two hour train ride away from Paris. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, because I mean, there's like, a big difference, I think, in general, in people's mindsets between South of France and kind of like Paris. Yes, there is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think I was lucky to be in South of France because people are very open mm -hmm. and um, honestly, they were very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, so no, I didn't, I do not remember getting into, like you just asked me like this, I do not remember getting into any conflict or mm -hmm. anything like that. Um, everyone obviously found it a little bit strange because, well, my English was okay, but at the same time, their English was okay as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, it, was, it was hard to communicate at the beginning, but it also kind of threw me in the middle there. So I, I spoke French after one year. I wrote, I spoke, I read. So I was, I was starting to be fluent, but, Two years later, I was fluent in French, All so right. that that that's a good part. <laughs> nice. And um, in terms of uh, the education, how did you find um, that experience when when you while you were there with, with your parents in France? Um, it was. I think it was very good because it it was a change for me in terms of hours. I remember because in Ukraine, I used to go to school from about eight thirty until about. 6 30 mm -hmm. every day 
and sometimes Saturday morning as well. Mm -hmm. So we used to have really long days full of different things. Like it, it was obviously normal subjects such as biology or chemistry or mathematics, but it was also, we had swimming classes, we had dancing classes. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of things going on. Well, in France, it was like Wednesday, I remember is a short day. So I used to finish at one in the afternoon. And I was like, whoa, my God, what do I do yeah. with all this free time? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that, that was a change in terms of, I had much more free time, but it's good because it also, I, I think as a teenager, you start thinking about what you want to do with your life. And it, it really helps to have this extra time to kind of discover yourself, I would say. Mm -hmm. You seem like you had a very structured um, upbringing in terms of like what you were doing in, in, in education and all. Did you ever... Um, stray from that and uh, have your teenage moments where you were sort of uh, like a rebel against the system or you always focused on whatever it is you were doing at the time? Um, I think anyone who has Eastern European parents will tell you that you cannot be a rebel. Yeah. <laughs> it is not something that is allowed in our culture. Mm -hmm. So um, I was very, as long as I lived with my parents, basically, or my grandparents and after my parents, I was very kind of focused and determined. But at the same time, I, I never kind of wanted to stray from that either. Not too much. Mm -hmm. Um, I was determined to to finish education, to build a career. I was kind of, since um, probably age of 14, 15, I was driven by that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really have any initiative to kind of, you know, be a rebel. I mean, I obviously would go out on Friday night and Saturday night with my friends mm -hmm. and, and things like this, but that was never forbidden or anything like that. But, um, but you, didn't, you, didn't, did, you didn't sort of, um, I guess, venture into... Uh, the stupidity of teenagers sometimes like you know we always get into uh, mischievous things at that young age yeah maybe you know it's south of france has a very open culture yeah so i think that kind of you know allows you to to see for yourself but not to feel like oh, you know, this is forbidden, so I want to do that. I want to try that. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I know because in, in my high school, there were quite a few people from the U.S., quite a few Americans there. And uh, I know they found it crazy, for example, that you can buy alcohol at probably 16 in France. I mean, like, mm -hmm. no one's going to check your ID as long as you look, you know, you look old enough. So they really wanted all those things that were forbidden, mm -hmm. you know, in the U.S. Well, I think in, in France, it's kind of, it's so like laissez faire, you know, exactly. culture, especially in South of France. Yeah. So I, I never, I never had that pull to kind of rebel. I mean, the most up to date, probably the most rebellious thing I've done is that I left my job and I started the company, you mm -hmm. know, with Samira. That's probably the most crazy thing that I have done. And, and uh, it turned out amazing. So, I mean, good on you for that, I should say. It was a very uh, good decision. Yeah, now retrospectively, yes. Uh, but, you know, when I was doing it, there, there were moments when... Now that I look back, I'm like, oh my God, I have actually done that. Mm -hmm. But at that time, it seemed, seemed okay. It didn't seem too crazy. Mm -hmm. But now looking back, I'm like, if I would be doing this now, I would probably not have done it. Because as we get older, we get more risk-averse. And it's just, yeah, it, it's better to do it when you're younger. Yes. And um, I was going to come to that. So in, in France... Uh, you're studying and everything. Did you have any sort of um, direction in terms of where you wanted to land uh, by the time you, you graduated? Um, or was finance always in the back of your mind or was this just something you fell upon uh, later on during your um, university years? Well, in France, during your 
two last years in high school, mm-hmm. um, you have to specialize. So you can either specialize in kind of science um, or languages. Okay. Um, so I specialized in science and after you can specialize in chemistry uh, or biology or mathematics. And mathematics was the hardest one. And I remember I spoke to my teacher and I was like, you know, maybe I should do biology because I always liked biology. And he's like, no, you can do mathematics. You should do mathematics. Mm-hmm. So I did mathematics just because I could and was the hardest one. So um, so that's, that's where I specialized. And honestly, maybe I should have specialized in like economics was another thing that I could have chosen. But it was just not portrayed as being um, kind of the most prestigious so my parents pushed me always into, if you can do the hardest, do the most prestigious. Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And uh, when I moved to London, that's when I have realized that it's like the finance world is the biggest thing. And that's what I should look into. So I started looking into finance. But up until I moved to London, I didn't, finance was not really a thing that I was thinking about. It didn't, I wasn't even sure what it meant. Because mm-hmm. in the south of France, um, finance is not a big industry. There, there were a few banks and the banks out yeah. there, they're like retail, retail banks. Uh-huh. So yeah, nothing to do. Yeah. All right. And did you ever have any other sort of, uh, I guess, passions in mind or when you were, uh, sort of thinking about what you want to uh, do before London, uh, or was it always just really rudimentary and focused on, on, on school? Um, the reason I'm asking is like, did you have any other creative outlet? Like I know Samir had drumming, for example. And, yeah, uh, and yeah. did you have anything like that as well? Yeah, I did. So um, I used to do ballet for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, at some point, I think when I was 10, um, I had a kind of a slight accident mm-hmm. when doing that. So I stopped. But before that, I kind of had the idea that, you know, maybe uh, I could become a professional ballerina or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, so that, that's, that's, but it's still a passion that I have now in terms of dancing. And after, even after that, when I was in France, I did different types of dancing, mm-hmm. but after the accident, I kind of stopped thinking that it could be a career choice. Okay. And, um, right now, I guess in the heat of, uh, bringing up a, a new company, uh, being in a relationship, do you still have time to sort of, uh, still mess around with ballet here and here and there? I no, I stopped. I stopped that completely some time ago. But um, I do gym, and now that we moved outside of London, I want to do horse riding as well because mm-hmm. I used to do a little bit when I was a child in Ukraine. So I want to go back to that. Okay, that's great. And um, all right, so on the timeline, we're now at you moving, I guess, from France to London. Tell me what yeah. the culture difference or do you experience any culture shock when that transition happened from uh looking back all the way from the um the farm girl to now the city girl (laughs) yeah i mean between ukraine and france there was of course a shock Mm -hmm. a major one i think when i moved to london it was a little bit less just because it's such a multicultural city that you can really choose your group of friends Mm -hmm. you can steer towards the uh, French people and you know so you don't feel too much outside if they, that outside of your culture if that's what you want or you can steer towards the Russian group that's how it was in our university we tend to uh, during the first year at least of university I remember we tend to kind of group together 
So like mm -hmm. French speakers was French speakers and, you know, Russian speakers was Russian speakers. So everyone was kind of like looking for their group of friends. Um, and I found it very hard to be between the group of Russian speakers and group of French speakers because I felt like I should belong to both. Um, so that, that, was, that was a little bit difficult in the beginning, I think. Um, but in general, London, it's, it's such a multicultural city. There's so many things to do. You can really choose what makes it comfortable, you know? So I didn't feel any kind of major change apart that I moved from living with my parents to living alone. Um, mm -hmm. And it's obviously a big city that like throws you out there and you have to grow up straight away. Yeah. Straight away you have to become an adult. Otherwise you just, you're just not going to make it, you know? Yeah. And what, what was the experience like sort of trying to uh, find a job once you, you had all of your, you know, your papers in order, your degrees and everything. When you, when you uh, started searching, was that a hard process for you or did it come relatively easy? It was, it was hard. I think it was hard. There's a lot of competition. There's mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of people who are qualified. And uh, also I think because I studied business and after I studied kind of business economics, which is basically business again, um, more to steering more towards economics. But um, I, I kind of found that you are brainwashed into thinking that there are only two good things that you can do. You can either mm -hmm. go and work for an investment bank or you can go and become a, a management consultant. Mm -hmm. um, people who wanted to do marketing or, or anything that did not go into those two boxes were kind of seen as, oh, they, they, it's just because they cannot do it. They cannot, you know, they're not, they're not good enough. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. Uh, and um, how did you and Samir happened then when you finally got to that position um, in uh, the same company. Um, what was it like when you guys first met? Because you both seriously, when I was talking to him, he said that um, you two are quite different um, in terms of how you manage uh, emotions and relationships and all that. So when you guys first met, was that something that sort of just clicked or did it take some warming up on your side? Cause you sound Samir, Samir sounds like the guy that uh, he's all like um, willy nilly and he's like the free one. And you're the one that's sort of more um, uh, straight lined and focused uh, just based on the story you've told me. So what yeah. was that like for you when you met him? Were you apprehensive at first? Um, I was, I'm in general kind of, I think it's uh, bringing my Eastern European roots, but you know, I'm upfront. Mm -hmm. So I do not beat around the bush. Uh, okay. I, tell, I, I, I tell people up front and um, with time I have learned to be obviously more kind of uh, politically correct, I would say, you know, <laughs> uh, living in France and living in, uh, in the UK. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, if you go to Russia, if you go to Ukraine, you realize that people are very upfront. Mm -hmm. So uh, with Samir, I was very upfront from the beginning, um, very honest about kind of my past relationship, where I was in my life. and. Um, I don't think we clicked, but it's something that I think sparked an interest in him. He was like, oh my God, she's so like, she's so honest, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. she, she's just so upfront and she seems to be so, so straight and she knows what she wants. Mm -hmm. um, and the same for me, I really liked um, the fact that he was so business oriented mm -hmm. uh, because I remember my, my dad, he was an entrepreneur. And I remember when I was uh, 14 or 15, something like this, I had a conversation with him. He was asking me what I wanted to do. Um, mm -hmm. And I was telling him, oh, maybe I want to work for a big corporation, this and that. And he looked at me and he just told me, he was like, you know, the best thing that you can do is that you work for yourself. You're your mm -hmm. own boss. 
and that kind of stuck with me um <laughs> but obviously i just had started my career so it was it was hard to know what i wanted to do so i knew i had to work for a corporation before starting my own business but that was always at the back of my mind in terms of i always wanted to um to start a business of my own um <laughs> and when i met samir i kind of thought he he's business oriented he's he's smart he has ideas maybe you know maybe we could work together yeah and it seems like even then you were pretty pragmatic about it um about it such an emotional thing as well such as as like how you guys ended up falling for each other what was the the process like um in the very beginning because you were now thinking about quitting your job and when Samir told me he said that you you were the pushing force behind uh, the entire move to to really drive the start of this company um was that nerve-wracking for you um i don't think so i mean once i quit yes but before mm-hmm. that it was not it's just because i mean Samir he he really looks into the future and he used to portray me all the things he wanted to do in terms of you know building a private equity company and things like this mm-hmm. and because he he's in general a very positive person uh i'm more realistic yeah. so i'm more realistic <laughs> i'm like okay this sounds like amazing but how are we going to get there you know like mm-hmm. now starting now how are we going to get there um so that that was kind of i think why he thinks that i was the pushing factor behind it it's because i just kept on constantly asking the question okay so how are we going to do this and yeah. uh, why do you want to do that in in 5 years or 10 years what 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 is going to be different you know how are we going to be different in 5 years versus how we are now and so just all these questions i think made us realize that okay we might as well do it now you know what what is going to happen and when you when you look back at um how far you've come um you know from uh, i mean to this point where you've established the company and everything um if you had to go back to have a conversation with yourself uh, at that young <laughs> age you think you would be t- talking to yourself about finance uh, like back then when you were younger um i it's, it's a good question i don't know i don't think so because even though i did work kind of in a bank and i did acquire certain skills um i think it was more so people would take me more seriously when when we started the company you know mm-hmm. it was not something that was a, a must in order to start the company but mm-hmm. i don't think i would be talking to myself about um about finance i think i would be talking to myself about business you know mm-hmm. just, just just business bu- in general build, yeah just building your own business just yeah just just business yeah all right uh, that's this interesting response you you're such a structured person it's very interesting to to see because um i know a lot of um entrepreneurs that i've t- i've spoken to they always have this uh sort of um aspect about them that's um a very like how how can you put it very, uh like they like to take risks right and yeah. sometimes um when you're starting business uh you never really know if those are calculated risks that that you'll be taking so when you started the the business did you put a lot of effort into planning it uh before you quit your first job no honestly it was uh it was kind of we knew what we were doing a friend of uh uh samir a family friend um was doing this care home business and we looked we mm-hmm. helped him looking into it and we realized it's really good sector and that's where we're going to concentrate um but there was no clear plan 
in in mind you know and it's actually interesting because one of Samir's friends he came from Germany I think last year and he was asking the same question he was like did you plan everything how do you do this how do you do that how did you know about this mm-hmm. and uh, when I look back it's like no we didn't know we didn't plan we just kind of had the general idea in mind and honestly I think it's impossible to plan every little detail because it's not mm-hmm. going to go according to plan and yeah even now we do deals and you think you have everything nailed and but they still fall through and it's it just you know just part of life it's just part of business and this career choice which is entrepreneurship and what what's the um the what was the process like uh when you first started i know um i i spoke to samir about this as well the grind but on from your perspective um was it uh very um emotional i guess in the beginning because you're working with someone that um you're also in a relationship with what was it like for you uh, at the very start when things were a bit more chaotic than they are right now it's um, it's very hard i think to uh, separate the private life um mm-hmm. and the business life if your partner is also your business partner mm-hmm. because if you if you work in an office you know you get out of the office and you go and spend time with your family and that's family time you know in the office it's it's work time whilst here even when you get out of the office or meeting or whatever at dinner you still discuss the same things so at the beginning it was it was very difficult um but i think with time we kind of learned to to separate more between the mm-hmm. two and uh, you know to have also clear sets of rules for example no computer dinner table you know or no phone uh, during the uh, week dinners and things like this so we can really talk about other things than just you know work or work related things yeah yeah all right and getting into the, that relationship i guess both business and um and romance uh, intimacy and all that what was it like for for you especially coming from as you mentioned i guess a pretty strict upbringing um the fact that you guys are from such different worlds culturally um what was that experience like um with your with your parents were, were they apprehensive as well uh well my mom i remember when i told her she was like what are you doing mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you getting yourself into mm-hmm. um but uh, my my father he passed away about 10 years ago so he didn't he didn't okay. have a say in that um but yeah she was she was against it and i think i, I mean my mom is not the kind of person who's going to tell me what to do but she's going mm-hmm. to tell kind of her opinion on that and she told me you know it's it's going to be really difficult to have this both links you know to have the link of business uh which is well m- money link and also have mm-hmm. the link of relationship you know it makes it all very mixed up um and it's true it's difficult and um even until now we still have you know still have arguments sometimes and mm-hmm. it's sometimes it's still not easy but at the end it is worth it uh, and um i think we have managed to build a a great relationship and a great business which is really not easy and a lot of people ask me how we did it and there's no recipe you just I, you just do it. You you just do it, yeah. And you you have to be with the right person, you know. Mm-hmm. And that right person should not be exactly like you, and should not be opposite of you. But you just need to have kind of complementary, I would say, skills, but also mm-hmm. complementary life skills, you know. So you're able to manage both the relationship and and the business together. All right. And would you 
100% recommend that uh, people that are, uh, I guess, thinking they should be in business together with their partner, they should go ahead and do it? Or um, is, is that purely just based on how it uh, collaborates together? Yeah, I... If you ask me if I recommend it, I don't. <laughs> I think it makes um, the relationship, at least at the beginning, that much harder to control mm -hmm. and that much harder to untangle because uh, you know the the argument that you might have in business is gonna also go in your private life, or the argument that you have in private life is gonna also have an impact on on the way you talk about business or the meeting that you're having next day. Um, so is it something that I recommend? Probably not, but it mm -hmm. does work for some people. Um, it worked for us. And um, I think you just have to, if, if you are keen to do it, if you think it can work, then you can start. And if it doesn't work, I think you'll know very early on. Um, mm -hmm. I, I had a couple of friends, um, I mean, one couple who tried to do business together and probably after like a month, they were like, we cannot work together. It's so yeah. hard. So you <laughs> realize pretty early on. Yeah. And you know, from a woman's perspective, uh, what's it been like for you in the business world? Um, I know, you you know, it's, it's a whole different take when you're a woman uh, in a position of power or, um, you know, when you're striking deals, multi-pound, uh, in this case, uh, deals with other companies and everything. Uh, is, is that something you faced uh, you, uh, with other, I guess, chauvinist type of mentalities or has it been pretty uh, laxed and people just take you seriously off the bat? Um, it is, it is difficult. It is mm -hmm. even more difficult, I think, because Samir is also in the business and he is also my life partner. And, mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it's at the beginning, we would never say that, but now that, that in terms of that, we're also partners in life. Um, just, just to stop also people thinking like, oh, she is his wife, you know, so mm -hmm. she's not that important. I should just be talking to him. Um, so we wouldn't say that. So people would have more of a kind of, oh, they're just business partners approach. So that mm -hmm. made it easier. Um, but now if people assume, they assume if people ask, we say, yeah, of course, we, we're also partners in life. I, I think as you grow as a business person and you grow in general in life, you kind of realize that it's, it's more about you and how you behave and how you perceive it versus the other person. So if mm -hmm. you don't, if you are not afraid of it, or if you are not paying too much attention to it, even if the person across the table is is being uh, whatever, you know, is assuming certain things, it doesn't really matter because you're just going to do your thing. You're just going to do your business idea or, or just going to do your deal and just, just go on with life, you know? So I think mm -hmm. it's a kind of a personal growth um, that, that happened to me versus uh, other people's perceptions. All right. And uh, now that the company's, you know, has experienced uh, certain levels of success as well um, throughout uh, the last uh, years that it's been running, the last few years that it's been running. Um, do you feel that people are sort of treating you differently than uh, before all of this, you know, the cars, the, uh, the, the bags, everything happened? Mm -hmm. Or do you think that uh, everyone's still pretty much the same towards you? You mean uh, close friends and uh, Yeah, close friends personal. and, uh, and, yeah, personal or just uh, just normal people in the, in the streets when they see you do, do, do they give you a certain look is it weird when they see you um i think uh, i mean i in general i don't pay too much attention just random people on the street yeah. I, I tend not to you never know especially in london uh, mm -hmm. people are weird sometimes so that doesn't really matter but yeah. in terms of um 
personal kind of relationships, uh, friends. Um, some have uh, some haven't changed at all. Some are honestly mm-hmm. um, very helpful. Have been very helpful. Uh, and are the kind of people that I know if I have a problem, I can tell them and they will kind of be um, sympathetic versus mm-hmm. in the back of their head thinking like, oh, you know, that they have problems too. You know, their business has problems too. It, it's, you know, kind of, I, I wouldn't say like happy about it, but kind of have this, you know, kind of a malicious intention. So yeah. I, I, I'm fortunate to have a lot of friends who are just very sympathetic if we have a problem and I can tell them everything. But some other people steered on the side and just decided not to to be friends anymore, I guess. I, I'm not quite sure where that comes from, but a, a friendship, same as a relationship, cannot be kind of forced, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm really, I believe that a friendship should be based on just uh, uh, something pure, you know, versus something more materialistic in terms of people being interested in you because you have this or that, or because mm-hmm. you're here or there in your career. I think that's uh, that's that's not the right way. But I have to say that most of close friends that I have, they are friends that I have from high school or university. So they are not mm-hmm. people that I have met recently. So that also shows something in terms of that I know them for years and they knew me before all of this started. All right, and. Um in terms of you, since we're talking we're on this topic of, of change, um, I was going through your, your Instagram as well, and I see that you, you're really into like all this uh, fashion and um, um, just things that I would have really no say in because my knowledge of fashion is pretty limited. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just wondering, like, is that something like a, a passion of yours that you would maybe want to look into as well? Um, maybe like starting a fashion line or are you just solely focused on um, the business at hand at the moment? Um, No, it's definitely of interest. Um, Starting my own, I'm not sure, but uh, kind of buying a fashion company would be definitely of interest. Mm -hmm. It's a very hot sector at the moment. I have actually looked into it. Um, So the the multiples for buying uh, fashion companies are crazy and most of them already have already been bought out by uh, private equity companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is definitely a passion of mine, but it's kind of like a side passion. So it's not something that, it's not the same passion that I have about uh, my our business, you know, mm-hmm. but it's something of interest. And in general, um, being an investment company, we can look into any sector. So that's the good part of it. We have concentrated on healthcare at the moment, but uh, we will open up to other sectors, definitely. And, um, I guess on, on on that same that same topic, what uh, are you looking forward to? I guess for um, in terms of the growth of the company, um, I guess fashion being one one of the things that you might consider going forward. Uh, what else can can we sort of expect from from the company going forward? Anything, honestly, looking into different sectors. Um, I like real estate. My background is in real estate, so anything that's real estate backed, um, we are interested in. So um, I looked into hotels as well as another sector. Um, mm-hmm. I know that Samir has a interest in insurance companies as well. Um, so a- any sector which has uh, good returns, we'll look into it. All right, great. And um, since this being, um, I guess, uh, Valentine's Day and everything. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking um, we could touch on what the experience was like when uh, Samir asked to sort of, he, he asked you to, to be his forever, sort of, so to speak, when he asked you to marry him. What was that experience like? The, the reason I'm asking um, is because that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs I've, I've spoken to are 
either in the early stages of um, setting up their business or um, really just uh, flirting with the idea of having the business. And uh, a lot of that still involves them being in relationships at the moment. No one's really at the point where you guys are at of like being in business together and then getting married. What was that like for you um, from business partners to now potentially starting a whole life together permanently? I mean, not, not potentially, for sure now. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, for <laughs> because sure. Because I said yes. <laughs> yeah, because you said <laughs> that is true. I take that back. I mean, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like for you? Um, I, I remember that, uh, I mean, I kind of expected it to happen at some point mm -hmm. during, uh, let's say, the, you know, towards the end of the year. Um, mm -hmm. but I did not expect it to happen when it actually happened, when he actually proposed. Um, mm -hmm. I just remember that he was very nervous about it. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> he was very nervous and it was our anniversary and we were going to Monaco and he was, um, very stressed. And I, you know, I couldn't understand why. So I kept on asking, is there anything that's happening with the business, you know, uh, yeah. that I don't know about why you're so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I was I was afraid about that. I was like, I'm not telling you something. There's something I don't know, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but um, yeah, he he was very nervous as well when he proposed, and he actually didn't ask me the question. He just said, uh, "I think we should get married." Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, "I, I guess yes." Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, yeah. it, I'm I'm glad that. Um, he even had the, the courage to to make it to that point. Do you have any sort of um, advice, I guess, for uh, like a young Irina that might be possibly listening right now on a farm somewhere who's uh, <laughs> thinking about breaking it out into the city? What would you say to young girls that um, are starting their own, you know, small businesses or want to get into business and have this anxiety about being taken seriously? Because um, keeping it completely a hundred right now. Um, you know, you know how it is with women in the workplace and it's something that different countries struggle with. So what advice yeah. would you have for them in terms of, um, just keeping that propensity going, um, the momentum with their business ideas? I think, I think it's more about you than about other people. And you have to make it more about you than about other people because mm -hmm. you, you are always going to be, standing out as you know you might be different skin color you might have a different accent mm -hmm. um you might be a man or woman so you know this you can always find kind of an excuse why why you're standing out and you're feeling uncomfortable about things mm -hmm. but at the end of the day you just have to it's an inner growth that happens and you just have to tell yourself it, it doesn't matter you know what matters is my idea what matters is my drive to do this or that and mm -hmm. you just kind of stick to it. So I think um, in general, as you, as I, for example, grew as an entrepreneur, as a businesswoman, what I have realized that the perception of other people, it's more you who build it, you know, mm -hmm. because you feel that someone looks at you a certain way or you feel that someone wasn't paying attention, but it doesn't really matter because what matters is you and you know, how you're getting your ideas out there and how you are progressing. So just, just have that, courage and have that maturity to realize that it's it's about you and if if you are determined people are not going to pay attention to other things they're not going to look that you're a woman or that you you know you have an accent for example they mm -hmm. they it's going to go past them and they're going to concentrate on what you're trying to get across the point you're trying to get across 
All right. And were you always this confident or is this something that I guess uh, you had to build over time or how did you end up being so sure of yourself and all the sort of uh, the moves you made throughout your life, all the choices you made? Oh, I'm, I don't think I'm sure of myself even now, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it's very hard. Um, it's, I think, I think London made me grow up because I was by myself. I didn't know mm -hmm. anyone. I was at a university. Uh, all my curriculum was in English. Whilst before I was in a French school, everything was in French. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, during the first year of, of university is also when I lost my dad. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of things that kind of made me all of a sudden mature, I think, to a certain extent and kind of mm -hmm. made me grow very quickly. And um, it, it just just from there, you know, but I think London is a city that also makes you either confident or it just kind of eats you up and you have to move out of, of the city because uh, if you're not confident, people are going to just just eat you up it's like if you it's would a dog people, eat dog if, world right yeah yeah if you would see the way people drive around here that's kind of mm -hmm. like people live the same way you know it's either, okay. it's either you get out there or you know you're just never gonna get into that lane so it's um it's kind of the same in life <laughs> all right um and um i guess moving forward um i i'm just gonna end on this uh, last segment of uh, the podcast um yeah. this is where uh, i just ask you some questions that we have um just random questions, essentially. Um, sure. I'm just going to go through uh, some me some of them right now. Okay, just bear with me. Yep. Um, okay. So, in your life, who do you go out of your way uh, to be nice to? Um, probably my mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, um, she is not, she's not an easy person to please and mm -hmm. she's not an easy person in general. Um, and she, she has been through a lot in her life. Yeah. Um, so for example, when I compare the, you know, the relationship that Samia has with his mom, his mom is super nice. She's super mm -hmm. helpful. <laughs> she mm -hmm. is always there. My mom can say certain things that, that can be hurtful or, you know, she doesn't think twice before, before saying certain things, but I always try to be nice to her because I mean, the amount of effort that she has put into me, into my education, you know, into putting me through, through university, into paying all the fees. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very lucky. And, um, I know that she loves me, even though sometimes she she never says it, but mm -hmm. um, I know that she does. So, yeah, well, when you ask the question, she's the person that comes in my mind. And um, do you think the way she, she was hard on you like that sort of um, helped build you into the focused and uh, naturally pragmatic person that you are today? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think uh -huh. the, way, the way our childhood is and the way our parents are shapes who we are. That, that's mm -hmm. for sure, yeah. Okay, great. All right. And um, since you're sort of um, earning a lot more money than you were back in university, let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, and you guys, I, I know you guys love eating. I'm always checking out um, Sam's uh, Instagram stories and everything. Yeah. What is the spiciest thing you've ever eaten? And do you like spicy stuff as well? 
I do like spicy stuff. I like it more now since I met Samir because, you know, I've discovered um, yeah. <laughs> Indian cuisine. <laughs> oh, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's actually really funny, but I have never, ever had Indian food before meeting Samir. Because it's not, I know, it's because it's not the type of cuisine that obviously is in Ukraine, forget about it. But mm-hmm. even in South of France, it's much mm-hmm. more Chinese. Mm-hmm. So um, we used to have a Chinatown, but I would never take anything spicy there. It was mm-hmm. mostly like you know a little bit spicy and a little bit like sweet um but uh yeah since i met samir that was the first time i remember he took me <laughs> to an indian restaurant and that's when i discovered and you're like what is this it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> no i i like it honestly there are certain dishes that i really really like and mm-hmm. um there's this restaurant that we go to all the time in london and uh, i prefer going for Indian food than going for Russian food, which is very crazy. And Samir tells me like, how is this even possible? But, and it's more of my cup of tea. So probably one of the spiciest things must have been something from there, you know? I cannot tell you which dish exactly, but it must have been something from Indian cuisine. <laughs> okay. And um, for, I guess, all the uh, young aspiring business women out there, what's something um, they don't worry about, but really should? when they're thinking about uh, starting business that you could tell from your experience? Um, I think, I think it's a very hard journey. So having someone who supports you is important and it doesn't have to be your partner. It, it, mm-hmm. it can be a really good friend. It can be uh, your, you know, your sister, your brother, your mom, your dad, your grandparents, whoever. But I think a, because they're tough moments, it's important to not not to feel lonely, not to feel down, not to feel depressed. I think it's important to kind of have a person who you can talk to about it. And mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone thinks about that um, mm-hmm. because you're going to have highs where you're going to feel. And when you get your high, obviously, people are going to want to talk to you and people are going to want to be your friends. But when you're at your low, you know, that amount of people goes down significantly. Mm-hmm. So I think it's um, it's something that is important to think about. Yeah. All right. And um, I guess this is just based on my curiosity. Um, I always see you guys, um, you, you've got really cool Instagrams. And, um, uh, and I just wanted to ask, what is one thing that you might have sort of purchased and then you realize later, you're like, okay, that was kind of dumb. Why did I buy that? Did you ever have uh, the experience with that, be it with either maybe a business decision or just something that you bought, um, like a bag or anything like that? Uh, thank God, no business decision that I feel like yeah. that about. <laughs> <laughs> um, on personal uh, personal belongings, yeah, yeah, of course. I, I sometimes buy things, like sometimes buy three pairs of shoes and I'm like, my God, like I don't need I don't need zero, you know, I don't need any mm-hmm. of them. Why, why did I buy them? So yeah, small, small things, you know, nothing, nothing major, nothing that that I have huge regrets about now. All right, great. And um, I guess that, that leaves me with uh, just another question is where, what's the planning process been like now that you're, you know, you're such a, a heavily, you probably so busy at the moment. I can't even um, picture it in my head properly because, you know, the, the year is just starting and the business really picking up and everything. And now you have to start thinking about uh, the wedding and everything. What's that like planning wise um, for, for a young adult moving into marriage? 
It has been really hard. I mean, I've been pushing and pushing it. So mm -hmm. initially we were thinking, you know, end of last year, but obviously I, I didn't have time to do anything and neither did Samir. And so we're thinking, now we're thinking this year for sure, but mm -hmm. I, I am just starting it and it is, it is difficult. And it, when, you know, when people say like, oh, you're busy, people imagine that you're in and out of the meetings all day and things like this. It's not so much about that. It's about your, also your brain space mm -hmm. and different people calling you and asking you different things about, you know, the, the different deals that we have going on or, or different assets that we already own. So it's mm -hmm. more, it's more about finding like the brain space and the time to just sit and think and actually realize what do I want, how I'm going to plan this. So mm -hmm. I have I haven't done that completely yet, not yet, but um, it is for sure happening this year. Yeah. All right, and I guess I want to get this perspective from you as well. When um, you guys are at a pretty substantial level right now, as it is already, and I know that um, there are plans to grow even bigger. Do you think yeah. that um, there's a sort of finish line for RD Capital or? Um, or are you just going to keep expanding until, um, I don't know, maybe, I'm not even sure. What's the end? Yeah, really. Is there an end goal for you or is it just going to be until you keep going because the sky's the limit? Yeah, it's until we keep going because one of the things that was really bothering me, for example, working for uh, an investment bank is that mm -hmm. I could see the end goal and the end goal was, for example, MD, right? Managing director. Mm -hmm. And I was like, but that's, that's not high enough. That's not good enough, you know? In general, if I see the end goal and this is where I'm gonna kind of finish, I don't mm -hmm. like it. I like having that, oh, it's it's more, we can do more, we can go further, uh, we mm -hmm. can become bigger. So it's, it's, it's about that. But it's also, it, it's also about, we're an investment company, right? So it's about buying the right assets and having the right mindset. So it's not only about the growth and the size, it's also about the returns, it's also about making the right decisions. So mm -hmm. we, concentrate, we concentrate on that as well. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much um, for taking the time out to sit with me and um, share your side of what the experience was like falling in love uh, and being in finance and everything else that you went through. Um, your story is very cool, very interesting and very inspiring and encouraging at the same time. It's also very cool to see like how you two are so vastly different. Um, <laughs> now that I think back, Samir, um, if Samir, if you're listening, you were you were very right about her. She's different from you, <laughs> and, um, in in the, in the best of ways as well. I think you guys complement each other brilliantly, and I'm so happy for everything uh, you have achieved and everything you are going to achieve as you move together. You know, it's such a strong unit. So congratulations on everything. Thank you. Thank you very yeah. much. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Thank yeah, you. yeah, and um, you know, hopefully in the future we get an update on um, any other future plans, you know, children or anything else that's being planned on for down the line. Definitely, you, you'll yeah. hear from us. <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, have yourself a good night, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys again some other Thank time. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been your boy Big M, and um, I was just in a very, very cool conversation. And um, if you guys are still listening right now you can go check out uh, my conversation with samir i believe it was in episode eight if i'm not wrong well do you want to shout out your instagrams for people to follow you on your um cool trips as well as all your fashion stuff that you got going on yeah yeah definitely all right what's your instagram um it's miss irena d 
So okay. it's uh, M I S S after it's my name, I R Y M A and D. All right, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Irina, and um, I'll see you around, hopefully. <laughs> thank you, yes, definitely. Thank you. All right, see you. Bye bye.